Hello, and welcome back to Playdate Podcast. I'm Mariel. I'm a writer and director. And I'm Slow Magic, an anonymous music producer. holiday podcast tour we're driving around to some of the most quaint and Christmassy towns and cities in New England that we could find and we're recording different podcast episodes in different hotels across these cities this is the holiday version of Playdate, where we'll be talking about our favorite Christmas music your favorite Christmas music and our friends favorite Christmas music yeah we're I... just doing holiday music stuff this is our special. We're back and we're having fun. As the listener may know, it's been a little bit. I think it's been like over a week <laughs> since our last episode. Yeah, probably like a week. Don't look at our history. No, it's been over a week. I know that. Oh, it's definitely been over a week. Maybe like over a month, but I don't, not, I'm not sure. And um, if you want to support us, please leave a five-star review. And we'll give you a shout-out on this podcast. And you could also support us by joining my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash slowmagic. Okay, ask me where we are. So, where are we? <laughs> well, we're in Brunswick, Maine today. And that's where Bowdoin College, the Lil Ivy is. And it's honestly not a Christmassy. I mean, it is. But this is not why we chose it. The reason that we chose it is because it is close to a place called Freeport, Maine. And Freeport, Maine... Is, is home to L.L. Bean store. The original L.L. Bean store is there. It's open 24 hours a day. And that's amazing. And I cannot remember the guy's name who started it, but it kind of uh, blew my mind. It was like Leon Leonfold Bean. Like, I'm not kidding. Yeah, he's got similar name. We did not research that enough to tell you, but it's it's great. We went there just a little bit ago, and it's very, very pretty. I don't know what I'm saying. It is pretty. It's like... They have this home store there that just has so many fun things. And if you're in this area of Freeport, Freeport, or yeah, Freeport. Maine, I highly recommend it. Also, I got a bag there, which I was super excited about. It's like a, one of those really big boat totes, and I got it engraved. And I'm picking it up tomorrow, and I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, it's awesome. And we got some really good pizza and, and food that was, you know, vegan, and we had fun. We haven't been to Maine, really. Neither of us has spent time here, so... I've actually never been here until today. It's nice. Yeah. Well, we're right on the water. So anyway, that's not exactly why we're here. Well, it is. We're here. But we're here to bring you guys a super special holiday play date. Yes. Usually in the podcast, we talk about what we're drinking. And today I am drinking a coffee from the... Is this a Fairfield Inn? Or wait, what is this? This is a residence. A residence in Marriott. It's not good, but it's what they had. So, yeah, it's pretty good, actually. I mean, it's coffee. What are you drinking? I'm drinking Poland Spring, and that's, like, maybe not my favorite brand You mean water? water <laughs> but, oh, yeah, I guess that's, like, a regional thing. That's, like, I don't know what... Arrowhead? Is that what the... Yeah, that's the bad water elsewhere. That's, like, the the West Coast is dominated by that, and... The East Coast is dominated by Poland Spring, and I know there's a middle-of-the-country version because I've had it at different venues around. Arrowhead. No, it's like something else. It's something different. It's called, like, Michigan's Finest or something. It's got an M, I swear. You guys, I don't remember the name, but I feel like they have it. It's not the best water. In Minnesota, in Michigan. They have, like, their own, and that could be its whole own podcast. But what's been going on in your life? My life? Our um life. Yeah, we can update the listeners since it's been over a week since we've, you know, <laughs> they've heard from us. Uh, we got a dog named Bambi. He's great. Um, He's a me, toy poodle. We lost a dog before that. Yeah, Did that they was know? pretty heartbreaking. I don't know. I mean, listeners of the show may have kept up with us online and stuff, but we have a new dog. He's amazing. 
Uh, we just got back from a tour that we did, Slow Magic, me, with Beacon Bloom. They're awesome. Shout out to them. Shout out to our new friend, Ronnie Lloyd. He was tour the tour manager. manager, great photographer. But I mean, I also put out a new album called Forgotten Feels that we worked on a few things together, yeah. you and I. And um, what I did you do? I got my first writing credits with that, which was huge. We wrote some songs together. And I have just, not just, but in... This sep- year? Yeah, September, I finished my first short film, which I wrote and directed. And that was an amazing experience. And honestly, I feel like I found my life's calling. Yeah. Which until now, like throughout my whole life, I didn't know. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. And that made me feel really, really nervous. And I always kind of knew that I wanted to be a writer. But now that I've like finally admitted it to myself and like been like, you know what, you can do this. Like it's kind of changed my life. So if you have something that you're maybe afraid about and unsure of, that's totally fine. And if one day you recognize that that's actually what you want to do, that's amazing. And I really hope that that happens to you. To me? Oh, you mean the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And I'm really proud of you and congrats on that. And it's called Dolly's Room. You can look it up online right now if you want to follow the progress of the movie. I also made the music for that. Oh, yeah, that was huge. Which was so much fun working together. Um, but yeah. Oh, also expect an EP from that. Because we're of, releasing the soundtrack yeah. and big things coming is what we meant to say, basically. But like not in that like, bro, like big things coming. No, that's what I meant. <laughs> big things coming, guys. Big announcements soon. Um, but yeah, that's just a little update on us, but we're not here to talk. About us. About <laughs> us. We're about here to, t- we're here to <laughs> talk about our podcast, which is. This, where we are. Hi, guys. <laughs> I'm a little rusty. It's been a few days. <laughs> it's been maybe over a week. Okay. But back to our... Back to what we used to do. Yeah, which is... Mariel's Fun, Fun Fact, Fact Corner. Corner. <gasps> we did that so well. Yeah. If I could high five and not hurt the ears of every... Actually, we're not good. Okay. Okay, beautiful. Anyways, back to Mariel's Fun Fact Corner, holiday edition. This is where I read Soul Magic three fun facts that I found on the internet, and he tells me his favorite one. Are you ready? Yeah. So my first fun fact is that candy canes date back to 1670, and according to History.com, the choir master at the Cologne Cathedral in Germany gave the red and white sugar sticks to young singers to keep them quiet during the... I don't know what this is, but I guess he... I'm going to say he because there was no way there was female clergy people in 1670. So they would give them to children during sermons and stuff on Christmas Eve especially. And I read one place that they shaped them as a J to be like the thing that, um, who, what, what are those things called? The staffs? That the wise men, I don't know, you guys, Oh, yeah. I'm not from there. I'm the, not from this Like religion. a shepherd? Yes, a shepherd, like a shepherd's staff, or the yeah. called staffs. And then some people say that it was to be like a J, like Jesus, and the stripes were to symbolize the blood, the red stripes. I don't know how they dyed them back then, that's kind of intriguing, but... Probably like animal's blood. The whole point of them was to keep children quiet. Nice, and it, it works still. Yes. So, you give me one of those, I'm quiet for at least a minute. You give me one of those, and I put it in my purse, and I never think about it again. <laughs> never do. Wait, wait, can I just say? Yes. Kind of a not the best candy. Yeah, kind of a disappointment. I mean, I would if I had to go to church, I would definitely, like, suck on that sucker. <laughs> but it's good to, like, you can turn it into a really sharp kind of a weapon if you lick it into a yeah. point. But I... Have you ever had those, like, fruity ones that are, like, colorful? Yeah, like, the fun different ones. Those are actually pretty good. So, yeah. Yeah, but they're, like, kind of... They kind of hurt your tongue. It's kind of an abusive candy if you really All candies think about it. can. <laughs> All candies can. Okay. What? <laughs> I mean, candy usually the hurts candy my man tongue. can. I don't know what that's What's from. What's the second? Okay, sorry. The second one, and you may know this, but maybe you guys don't. A popular tradition in Japan is to eat at KFC for Christmas... It is so popular, in fact, that orders must be placed six months or six weeks in advance. 
six weeks in advance. And the wait in line on Christmas Day is so long that it takes hours for people to get their meal. And even though I think only 1% of people in Japan celebrate Christmas, it's like a whole thing. And the reason goes back more than 40 years. The first KFC manager in the country, he had the idea of a party bucket to be sold on Christmas. It came to him literally in a dream. And shortly after the company opened its doors in Japan in 1970, and after overhearing a couple of foreigners talk about how they missed the typical food at this time of year, they did this. Wow. Okay. I know that like uh, the KFCs in Japan have a little Colonel Sanders outside, outside like a statue. That's a really popular place to go. Yeah, I know. Take pictures. KFC is like big on other countries too for other holidays, and I like that. I think that's like a very fun little fact. Good marketing. And I like that it came to him in a dream. Like, that's so magical. But is the bucket different than the normal, like, family-sized bucket? I bet they have nice buckets. There. Like, I bet they have Plastic. buckets with, like, good design. <laughs> but do you think it has different foods? Like, what makes it a party? Just the chicken? I think it's chicken? just the size. Just chicken? I think so. What do you think is going to be so in he there? Had a special, Sprinkles? He had a special dream about a bucket of chicken <laughs> that may have already existed. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Okay, let's move on. Wait, you're right. KFC literally is just a bucket of Maybe, chicken, I'm right? I'm guessing it's a party because there's different foods in there, but we'll move on. Yeah. That is fun. Okay, and my third fun fact is that tinsel was once made of real silver. And according to the BBC, tinsel has its origins in the early 1600s in Nuremberg, Germany, where people used thin strands of real silver in their trees to reflect candlelight as they used to put real candles in their trees. And since silver was expensive, being able to use tinsel in your tree was something of a status symbol. A flex. Yeah, quote unquote. Flex of silver. So, what is your favorite fun fact? Well, I wanted to talk about the tinsel a little bit because <laughs> I like tinsel. Yeah. You like it too. But our dog, our dog has a taste for it, so we can't. Have mm, yeah, last year Bambi was trying to eat all the tinsel. Not good, but it wasn't silver. No, just was, plastic, which is probably worse. <laughs> it was very unexpected, actually. Like, no, it's not. He eats everything. <laughs> no, but he was really like he really likes the tinsel. Yeah, I don't know. Usually he chews on things, but I feel like he was like eating it. Yep, tinsel kind of blew his mind in a way that was not good. I think my favorite one is the tinsel fact because I didn't know that it was silver and I like tinsel. And it's crazy that people used to use real candles in their trees. That seems like a lot of fires must have happened. Yeah, that was probably like a nightmare. Well, thanks for bringing such good facts. That was really fun. I did like them all. But um, yeah, so speaking of Christmas and holiday and all that cheer and everything such as like that, like today's episode and... The first part of this special, which is going to be more than one episode, by the way, if you're listening, which you are <laughs> out there, uh, what, what's your, what's your, uh, what is the segue about music in the holidays? I just want to say that I like that you said <laughs> that was bad. such as like that. <laughs> well. I feel like you watched that video of the answer. The Miss America. Yeah. And you're like, such as like that. I like that. Like, such as like, um holiday music such as yeah sorry i was trying to say like what is your history with holiday music and how do we get here well i was not raised with christmas okay i was raised jewish like culturally we didn't practice any of the religious stuff really but we did not have christmas really until i was about 12 or 13 when I was like I mean I think we were all like let's get a Christmas tree like screw this we're doing Christmas because I'm gonna be honest with you guys Hanukkah is not a big deal in the Jewish faith it's just not that fun it's not magical it's just kind of like this little holiday that we celebrate to like give the Jewish children something because honestly celebrating Hanukkah and not being a part of Christmas is really sad if you are not Christian it's like if you are part of another religion that does not celebrate Christmas it's sad it, you feel really left out during that time of year and you want it like you want it in on this fun time so I have 
kind of a complicated relationship with celebrating it because on the one hand, I feel like very disconnected to it. And as Soul Magic and I are going through our lives together, we're really making our own traditions and it's becoming more of like a thing for me. But sometimes I kind of feel like a traitor and it's like a very complicated inner relationship that I have. But I love Christmas. That's the thing. I think it's like the best holiday. Truly, I think it's the most magical time of year and we get so excited for it and I have grown to truly love it and I like decorating Christmas trees but my relationship with Christmas music music (laughs) is I didn't listen to any Christmas music until Slow Magic like of course I heard songs while we were shopping and whatever but I remember this one time during Christmas I was like oh let's play Christmas music with my family and I put on the radio station and we were all like let's turn this off because it just felt really like I don't know too far but now i like get really into it especially the pop christmas music i think that's something that's so accessible to everybody and i really like it i know it's not the classics but it's good and yeah that's my relationship to all of it what about you i did grow up with christmas and music from christmas and um yeah i think like i mean we have definitely different like approach like I have a different background and I think that with that I think Christmas music I have like a love-hate relationship with it but I mean it is an interesting thing and what I like about Christmas music and holiday music in general around this time of year is that it's the only time of year or holiday that there is like a genre of music for and I mean a lot of the time I feel like it's nice to start listening to like more jazz around this time because that kind of a lot of the Christmas music is jazz and I do like jazz music but I don't listen that much you know all the time so that's one thing I really like about it but yeah I mean I grew up with um my favorites being like Charlie Brown which we can talk about more later and um just a lot of different Christmas music I mean I don't we're gonna have much more to say about it but yeah that's my background Mm-hmm. I feel like your background really showed me some good Christmas tunes. <laughs> so I'm very thankful for that. And with that being said, when you think of Christmas music, what do you think of? Me? Yeah, you. <clears throat> Jingle bells uh, and all that. But like what images come to mind? Okay, well, I think of snowflakes, jingle bells, snow on the ground, <laughs> Santa Claus, uh, mistletoe and all that there's no wrong answers here <laughs> well what do you what do you mean like when you think of christmas music i mean for me like an image comes to mind does an image come to mind for you mm, it all depends i mean i think of the sounds for sure why <laughs> because well number one i love that i love that you think of the what's sounds. the image you think of um well for me when i think about christmas music My mind immediately goes to a cozy scene around a fireplace, a fluffy white snowscape peeking out of frosted windows. Hmm. The snowscape being a version of New England that I have heard about from people that I know growing up in New England from the first half of the 20th century that I've never experienced, where, for example, students returning home from their IVs for the holiday break literally had to take horse-drawn carriages to get to their houses in the deep woods. Like, it was that magical. Wow, that's very poetic. And then I think of contemporary Christmas music. Mariah Carey wearing a red velvet dress, Justin Bieber's hair, malls, images more intertwined with capitalism and consumerism than anything else. Which I honestly don't mind. Do you mind? A little bit, but I mean, I do like presents. (laughs) <laughs> like, let's be real. You and I love going to malls during Christmas time. Oh, yeah. I love shopping malls. I love that Christmas season has, like, things are, stores are well stocked. That's one of the nice things about this time of year. There's sales. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially right now, post-Thanksgiving. It's actually Saturday. Wait, well, I guess we shouldn't tell people when we're recording, whatever. <laughs> we're recording... We recorded yesterday. Yesterday was Black Friday. Yes. 
We recorded it actually um, the day before it came out because this is Christmas. But I wanted to know, like, how did we get here? How did we get here from that, like, original, you know, old Christmas music to this new contemporary Christmas music? So I looked into the history and boy, oh boy, was I very into it. How into it would you say that I was? Very. <laughs> I got deep into it, guys. So when do you think Christmas music dates back to? I don't know, 1994? <laughs> Why is that? Because that's like the year right before Mariah Carey's All Over <laughs> Christmases You came out. Oh, yeah. I guess the year she wrote that song would be the year I think it's... I don't know. I mean, I just remember that time. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's probably pretty old. Yeah. In fact, it is believed to have originated as Latin hymns and the Frickin' 4th century Rome. Wow. Right? That's crazy. And from there, during the 13th century, under the influence of Francis of Assisi, an Italian mystic, who in 20... Sorry, I lied. In 1223, arranged the first live nativity scene with, like, real animals. Wow. Yeah, so under him, the tradition of popular Christmas songs being sung in native languages developed. And then from Italy and passed to France and Germany and eventually to England. And in 1426, Christmas carols in England first appear in the work of English poet John Audley, who lists 25 Christmas carols sung by wassailers, who are basically people who would go door to door singing in exchange for presents, I think, or drinks yeah, or something. Yeah, there's a song called Here We Go Wassailing. Can you sing it a little bit? I don't really know. Here we go wassailing. No, you were, you were, I've never heard of I don't of remember, song. but we could look it up. Is that a song or a carol? It's like a Christmas song, I think. Well, yeah. I wonder if you can wassail at any other time of year or if it's just like a Christmas I don't know. I didn't look at that, is you guys. Le- That's my next Google topic. Is it topic. a legal thing to do? Um, did you say it's illegal? Is it legal? Go on. <laughs> so, in the 16th century, and that is like 1501 to 1600 if you're curious christmas carols still sung to this day come into existence and that includes the 12 days of christmas and oh christmas tree but then in 1645 something happens something dark in terms of christmas celebration see there was a puritan prohibition in england and during this time england's government was under this guy named oliver cromwell and Parliament prohibited all singing of Christmas carols, which were seen as pagan and sinful, and basically anything that was associated with Catholicism or Lutheran, Reformed, and Anglican Christianity was prohibited. So not celebrating Christmas at all? No Christmas at all. Wow. Isn't that like a thing on a TV show? They're like, no Christmas at all? Christmas is canceled. Yeah. Wow. Cancel culture? Huge. Back then. Literally. (laughs) I feel like it... It was big. It popped off. So in 1645, they legally abolished Christmas. The celebration of Christmas was declared an offense by Parliament in 1647. So during the years that the Puritan ban on Christmas was in effect, people would secretly celebrate. It was just like, I don't know how like widespread the prosecution or whatever you want to call it was, but people Was it just like death? No, I'm saying I don't know if like they were like, (laughs) going house to house being like are yeah. you singing christmas carols it's or, possible yeah, it sounds like the war on christmas really came from the church <laughs> it's true it was really big back then and because puritans generally disapproved of the celebration of christmas this went on like this trend resurfaced in europe and in the u.s through the 18th 19th and 20th centuries either way oliver cromwell died in 1658 and in may of 1660 Charles II comes into the picture, and with him, he restores the House of Stuart, which is now spelled S-T-E-W-A-R-T because of Mary, Queen of Scots, who, despite being Scottish, was raised in France. So she was like, we're spelling it the French way. And the only reason I'm including that is because I found that fact so very interesting. But that's besides the point. And anyways, when Charles II restored the Stuarts to the throne, he basically was like, you know what? Christmas is not canceled. Christmas is back in session. And people began celebrating it all over. And people began 
seeing Christmas carols in public, and oh boy, there was joy everywhere. Then, during the 19th century, during the Victorian era, there was a new admiration for the holidays, and there was a surge of Christmas carols, including Silent Night, A Little Town of Bethlehem, and Oh Holy Night, as well as the first Christmas songs associated with St. Nicholas and other gift givers of the sort. There was also, even though Christmas sheet music had been widely available for like centuries, Christmas carol books were being circulated and people got into it. Like it spread like wildfire. Wildfire? Wildfire. And like wildflowers. Yes, like it spread like wildflowers. That could be a saying. I like that way more. Yeah. Also, I think it's important to note that there were also a lot of like secular Christmas songs. When? For during this time and honestly before that like the 12 days of christmas which appeared a long time ago way back way way back that was like the first romantic known rom- romantic and secular christmas song and like i think it was around before that in different languages but it first appeared in 1780 in england but i don't know how this happened but its melody would not come until 1909 like i don't know what they were doing like maybe yeah. they just knew the words and because maybe it was just like a rap song before that yeah because if they did just get the books of carols does that mean the sheet music wasn't attached i don't know i guess i was uh did they not have music back then i don't think so you there were no sing. notes yet yeah and if also... you were back if you were alive back then can you write us in and tell us what the songs were like true and i know that there was like I didn't quite research the classical music part of it, but, you know, those guys were, like, they were writing stuff. Mm. Bach and all those those men. Are there any female classic? I don't know. I should know, but I don't, I don't think they were allowed to. I bet there were some good ones secretly, though. But anyways. We can wonder all day. Yes. <laughs> or for at least a little bit. And I am going to end that there. That's my brief history. Nice. Wow. There's a lot to learn there. And so where does that leave us that in leaves history? Us, that leaves us in the 20th and 21st century. So then we get to the 20th century, and I don't know what happened in the, like, what do you call it when it's like 1900 to 1910? The turn of the century. The turn of the century. I don't know what went on during the turn of the century, but... In Nobody the- does, actually. True. I feel like we only hear about the 20s. Nobody talks about the 10s. That's true. I feel like they were like... I think we lost the point of what we were talking about. What You're we right. Talking? Sorry. We are now talking about Christmas in the 20s. So Christmas in the 20s became more family-centered. And in the 20s, and especially by the late 20s and early 30s, like I think 75% of families had individual radios in their homes. And that kind of like really changed the game. Like there was a need for Christmas music. Then we get to the 30s and 40s. And most of our Christmas hits like are from the 30s and 40s. It's really like the golden era of Christmas music, I would say. Like that's when the songs were written and uh, performed over and over again. Yeah, like there are new versions of it. But most of those songs are pretty old. Yeah. And, And these are like the top performing songs based on ASCAP. What, what does that stand for again? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> American a Society Doesn't, of Composers I'm, and Musicians? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Some ASCAP member you are. I um, am a member. <laughs> You're a BMI. Uh, yeah, which stands for, I don't know, big, big music industry. I don't know. <laughs> so basically the reason that Christmas music kind of like took off in the 30s and 40s was because there was like a lot of sad stuff going on. Can you tell us what sad stuff was going on? I think a lot of people were depressed back then. I think that was like, and it was great. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was a great. Why would it, it be great so depression. great? Oh, the Great Depression. Yeah. Lots of sadness. I don't know, but I think that um, what else was going on? You have the notes. Yeah. Well, I I, I didn't know if you remembered from <laughs> from all like, that I told you earlier. I'm off memory. Okay, so basically the Great Depression, which lasted from 1929 to 1939, ended with a horrible World War II event 
Mm. that started in, literally in 1939 and lasted until 1945. It was like a very dark time. So like people needed to be lifted up, like especially during the Great Depression, people like needed that morale. And that's actually an interesting fact that has kind of carried through to other parts of the 20th and 21st centuries. Post 9-11 that year, they started playing Christmas music earlier to like boost morale. And again, in COVID, I guess they started playing Christmas music in September, mm-hmm. which I don't remember. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that either. But I mean, I think we we're all at home. So do you remember how much cozy. people got into Christmas that year, though? No, like, <laughs> like there were more Christmas oh, like lights, lights earlier yeah. and everything. Christmas lights went off that year. Yeah. And, and I feel they like people, went on too. Yeah. People had time. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like people yeah. really made an effort. And then in 2021, everyone was like, done. Yeah. Do you remember that? No? Back to normal laziness. Yes. Back to normal laziness. So then in the, like, the 40s and 50s, there was more technological and sociological reasons for Christmas music to be a big thing. Commercial radio, which was a free alternative to buying records and sheet music during the Great Depression, really spread it. Because it was free. Yes. Nice. You didn't have to buy records. Yeah, which we don't have to do now. Like, we got Spotify. But we do anyway. <laughs> yes, but we do anyways. And I appreciate anybody who buys your records. Yeah. Very generous and, and anyone nice. who doesn't use Spotify, I also appreciate that. <laughs> but it's nice. But we also it. do appreciate people who do listen to you on Spotify. That's true. We I don't like Spotify, though. Yeah. Spotify sucks. They're not nice to music. You may be listening to this on Spotify. And if so, thank you. <laughs> anyway. Thank you for being here. But throughout the Great Depression and World War II, songs like Winter Wonderland, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, White Christmas, Let It Snow, and I'll Be Home for Christmas became really popular on the radio because people wanted that like good time uplifting feeling. Mm-hmm. Also, this is very important and we'll go over when the different songs came out, but if you look at the top chart of like people, what is it called? Hmm? Like the Billboard chart? (laughs) The Billboard Top 100? If you look at the chart for songs that have been played, like the most popular Christmas songs of the past, you know, since the 30s and 40s or whenever they did this study, half of the people who wrote these songs were Jewish. And Mm. I think that's so interesting. And I just wanted to talk about that for a sec because I think it's really important to know where it kind of came from yeah so basically in 1881 and 1914 more than two million jews left russia and america was basically the main destination for jews to go to but jews were very desperate to make a living but forbidden the entrance into basically all of the professions and had restricted access to higher education so a lot of jewish people found their way into the world of popular music. Hmm. It was one of the only industries where they didn't face like a ton of anti-Semitism. And then the children of Jewish immigrants were very into assimilation. And the first step in becoming America was to like, number one, get rid of their names, their last names, and also get rid of like all traces of their Jewishness. So when the opportunity arose for Jewish songwriters to write christmas songs they were like yeah especially with irving berlin's white christmas which i think is the top selling christmas song of all time it's like the most performed one they were like whoa holy shit i want in on this and more jewish people started writing christmas songs also these people had never really celebrated christmas so they just kind of had the ideas of christmas which i feel like truly made for some magical christmas imagery and like an idealized version yeah super idealized and the fact that the songs that they wrote didn't really mention religious stuff reached a way broader audience like people got really into it i think that is important to know and if you want to know about some of the songs that came out for example johnny marks I had never heard that name. Have you? Um, not 
No. <laughs> well, he's like a songwriter and he has three top Christmas songs. Uh, the most for any of the writers on the 30 best-selling Christmas songs list. He had Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I think that was like a marketing gimmick at one point. So I don't know if he like invented the concept, but he wrote the song. Rockin'. Was it a movie, I think? Or was that a second? <laughs> anyway, I don't know. Go on. That's a good question. Um, Rocking Around the Christmas Tree and A Holy Jolly Christmas. And then, of course, White Christmas, which is the most recorded Christmas song, who also wrote Happy Holiday, Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow by Sammy Kahn and Jewel Stein. They also wrote The Christmas Waltz together, which I've never heard of. Winter Wonderland by Felix Bernard, The Christmas Song, aka Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire, which I think they should just switch that song name to Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. That's my two cents. Well, it's The Christmas Song. I mean... That's a good name because you can't top it. But do they bring up Christmas in that song? Yeah, the, it's like, although it's been said, Merry Christmas. Oh, you're right, you're right. <laughs> okay, maybe it should be called the Christmas song, but let's be real. That's a very auda- audacious <laughs> title. <laughs> I feel like Chestnuts Roasting on Open Fire kind of sells it better. Go Don't on. you think? Just Sorry. Chestnuts. Chestnuts is by Robert Wells and Mel Torme. Sleigh Ride by Mitchell Parrish. It's the Most Wonderful Time of Year by George Weil. Silver Bells by Jay Livingston and Ray Evans. There's No Place Like Home Parentheses. And then, unparentheses, Home for the Holidays by Bob Allen and Al Stillman. I'll Be Home for Christmas by Walter Kent and Buck Ram. Santa Baby by Joan Ellen Javits and Philip Springer. Baby is Cold Outside. Unfortunately. What? That song isn't my favorite. Is it yours? I don't think it's anybody's favorite. Yeah. I think that song I mean, didn't it's need not, to exist. It's, uh, okay, yeah. Then, baby, it's cold outside. Isn't that one kind of creepy, too? Mm-hmm. They need to really think about what they did with that one. Jerry... But there's a lot of good ones here, basically. I mean, sounds like... Go on. I yeah, guess. sorry. Jerome, Jerry, <laughs> Lieber, and composer Mike Stoller wrote Santa Claus is Back in Town, which Elvis Presley... Back in town. De- debuted on his first Christmas album in 1957. I mean, he's not in town all the time. I thought it was He's Coming to Town. Is that a different song? Anyway. I have no idea. I'm not a big Elvis fan, so it could be. Christmas Baby Please Come Home was written by L.E. Green. Sorry, not That's L.E., great. but Ellie Green, Ellie Greenwich and Jeff Berry with Phil Spector. You know about Phil Spector, so I don't quite understand his deal. I think Phil Spector is someone that is very important to Christmas music history. I think that um, he's a very terrible, ter- terrible person who was uh, convicted and guilty of murder. And, and a lot of other things. And other bad things that maybe I need to learn more about, honestly. But um, a lot of his songs that he contributed to and produced around this time and you know, his history kind of contributed to, I think, a lot of the sound that we hear and contemporary Christmas hits like um, Mariah Carey's big hit, uh, All I Want for Christmas is You, and like all those songs are kind of like recreating his kind of classic sound, which is a really nice sound, just a really terrible person. <laughs> yeah, he's got a dark past. But he invented the wall of sound kind of technique, and I don't know, that we could have a whole podcast about him. <laughs> Maybe that'll be our spinoff podcast. That could be like, like a, um, an investigative one that yeah, they've like already investigated, but you know. True crime slash yes. good music? I don't know. But, but anyway. I think what's interesting about the Christmas Baby Please Come Home song is that it was originally for the Ronettes, who he worked with, and he married someone from the Ronettes, which is another whole dark story. Yeah. If you need something to rabbit hole on on the internet, look up Phil Spector. But... It was actually made into a hit by Darlene Love, and that was another one of his people that he worked with a lot. So I think that is pretty cool that Haruda's involved. Actually, kind of not cool that he kind of just like took it from them. I don't know. I don't the know. Ins and outs of that, but anyway, like so is that the things. list? We both have the list of the top 30 songs. And now that you know about all of that, and I'm sorry to go into that, but I just think it's very interesting. Why are you apologizing? I don't know, because being Jewish, you feel like it's scary. It's hard. Fair. You guys, it ta- it's taking me a lot of courage to tell you all about this because... Fair. But it yeah. is important, and I think it's interesting to know that, like, um, while Christmas can be seen as, you know, and maybe started as a pagan holiday that was taken and turned Christian holiday, then it was prohibited, and then it 
is now I, I don't know but yeah <laughs> all that being said it's interesting that a lot of the songs were written by jewish people who maybe didn't celebrate christmas so but that's they, interesting like, just knew about that i mean we all know that christmas the christmas feeling and the christmas feeling is very like representative of the childhood of the baby boomers which is also kind of interesting that that's basically like the idealized time that we are all like well didn't you want to say something about how most of the songs come from like the 40s and stuff like well we have a list here of the top 30 christmas songs and when they were written so most are from the 40s and 50s and then the last one was in the 19 i think it was 1995 was like the last top song and that was mariah carey's all i want for christmas is you and that means like a billboard topping song yeah like no over the past years like the ones that have played over and over like the reoccurring christmas songs like the most popular ones even the covers and everything the last big one the big hit was mariah carey's and before that it was last christmas yeah but mostly we have the 40s we have happy holidays here comes santa claus blue christmas i'll be home for christmas let it snow rudolph sleigh ride you know all these White Christmas. Christmas isn't a lot of these names. <laughs> like, I feel like if you look at all the other years, there are not that many Christmases in here until the 1970s where it's like wonderful Christmas time. Do you see that? Sure. I mean, there's big, be, okay, you guys, beginning to, beginning look a lot like Christmas is B-ginning. Yeah, I don't know if that's just this particular thing we're looking at because it says beginning look a lot like christmas that doesn't seem right i think that's the name and they have chestnuts roasting so i feel like they knew what they were doing but what are we what is this graph telling us i guess that a lot of these songs are old and that they're just you know there's a lot of covers and i think you were telling me today that this guy did a study of all the songs that play on the radio now and like he did a ton of like research yeah charting them all and he said there are only about 80 unique songs that are played or re-sung. Yeah. So that's interesting that, like, it is such a narrow uh, amount of songs, but, like, it is this whole genre. And I think that also, like, contributes to, like, that familiarity that we have with this Christmas songs. Like, you know, yeah. every year we're like, oh, yeah, this song, I know this song, I know this song. And, I mean, another thing that makes it interesting is, like, waiting to listen to the songs is part of the fun i think because it's like you don't want to listen past you know new year's you don't want to listen before thanksgiving in my opinion so it is like this you have this timed it's super limited there's a short time that you can actually enjoy this music which makes it kind of more interesting it's seasonal in that way and i think that whole fact of that is like why it is so hard to make a christmas hit and i was like looking into that and the christmas the songs that do become hits basically like take the music from before 1925 the christmas music and just like kind of repurpose it because like all of that music is what is it copyright uh like part of the public domain yeah so it was just like a lot of that but also it's really hard to get a hit because it takes i guess like 10 years for a song to become a classic and you only have such a small window of time for that song to become a hit. Like like to be played on the radio. Yeah, like it only has four to six weeks to become a quote-unquote hit. Whereas during the rest of the year, that process takes between eight and 20 weeks. Like that's how long. Like mm-hmm. Old Town Road was on for so long. Like yes. Billy Ray Cyrus hopped on that song so much yeah. later. You can't yeah, that's true. That. You can't have like a Christmas song that like stays in the charts because nobody wants to listen to it. But also something that I wanted your After. take on is that they did studies about what makes a Christmas hit a hit. And it says that the genre tends to be written in a major key, occasionally switching to minor, featuring 4-4 four, four time and 115 beats per minute. And of course, sleigh bells. Apparently that's like in 90% of the songs. Yeah. So can you like tell me what that sounds like? what <laughs> the four well, I mean, four time I and a hundred i think almost beats. every good christmas song for some reason has also a saxophone solo too true if you notice that you're like can you like figure out the saxophone deal but it's true all the hits i do, do need to research that who started that but um but can you like just tell me the tempo of four four and 115 
I know you know how to do this. No. Give me an example of a song then. I don't know. I think that what we were talking about as well as like that they were saying that upbeat songs are like do well. There are some really slow and sad Christmas songs, but like I think upbeat songs tend to do really well, like Mariah Carey's song, which a lot are kind of trying to recreate now, I think. Yeah, I feel like when the new songs come in or the new artists come in, they're like, we got to, I bet they're all like, yeah, let's make the new Mariah Carey song. Yeah, and I understand why, because that's like the white Christmas of this, what what do you call it, millennium? Yeah, and it like only was written in 15 minutes, apparently. That's a lie. No, it's not. <laughs> That's cool. She wrote Good it with job. another guy. But, I mean, she did write it, though, as well, like, with someone. But it, that's, like, she's got to be making tons of money on that song. Yeah, she's <laughs> probably, like, I don't know. She's forever. It's, like, um, what was I going to say about that? What were we just talking about? I don't know, but I personally I do have opinions on <laughs> All I Want for Christmas is You. I think, I don't know, I hear it too many times, Me and it gets too. old, like, we're just now entering the holiday music time officially, but I'm already bracing for like getting sick of that song. I don't even want to hear it at all. And I don't want to offend anyone out there, you know, that does like that song, of course, but yeah, of course. I don't know. I've moved on. To I other feel songs. like haven't we all moved on? It's a good song though. It's just a lot, and like hearing it way too much. Yeah. Like every third. Like song. last Christmas too. <laughs> I kind of like that one. I know. I'm like so sick of that song. Like. I feel like I'll get sick of it, but I like it. I remember shopping in Abercrombie and Fitch and that song came on and it was like my first realization. It's like, whoa, they play Christmas music during Christmas time, which sounds so stupid. (laughs) Do not make that face. I just like didn't notice. um, But in Abercrombie and Fitch, the music was so loud. I was like, whoa. I notice at stores now, like at LL Bean, they play kind of like 50-50 normal music and then Christmas music. And I don't know if that's like easing in to like this the spirit of the season or what songs were they playing i didn't even notice i don't know i heard elton john and then i heard like michael buble kelly clarkson and michael buble which are like the same person to me in terms of their christmas music singing style it kind Uh, of is just like representative of like old christmas music singing yeah i guess in the sense that they're both classic sounding singers she honestly writes some hits, that woman. I don't think they're the same, but... <laughs> so I'm just saying, like, I in my mind, I'm like, they're like a type of artist. Like one's from... Canada. Um, American Idol and one's from Canada? Yeah, it's Is kind of Michael the same. Is Michael Buble Canadian? I think he's Canadian. Nice. Honestly, well, Canadians make some good Christmas music. I appreciate you bringing all the history to the table here. I feel like I've learned a lot, and I'm sure our listeners have too. Yeah. So um, basically what I'm trying to say is that I just want peace for Christmas. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I do. With all of this, I just, I want everybody to accept everybody more and, you know. Yeah. Let's all be, like, respectful of everybody and we all just want peace for Christmas. Is that the reason for the season? Maybe? I think it's about family and shopping. It's like a big time (laughs) for stores. (laughs) I mean, I do like shopping. Um, But I think that brings us to a segment of our podcast where we will... Read some answers to questions we asked you guys, the listeners, and our friends. So I'm going to go through a few. On Instagram, we asked, what is your favorite Christmas song? And here I'll read a few. Arnie Tran, is that how you say that? Her name's Amy, right? So she said Cascade. Is that Cascade Christmas album? Yeah, which I, I... She tells me about the every producer. year, I forget. Yeah. I've got to check that out, honestly. I don't know a lot of, like, electronic Christmas music. Which is true. All of our electronic music listeners and friends out there, why aren't you making Christmas albums? Kind of glad that we aren't. <laughs> <laughs> why? I don't know. Maybe there should be more. Um, like, at least a re- Oh, speaking of <laughs> remixes, I'm pretty sure you have a Christmas remix that you've done. I did remix a Justin Bieber Christmas song, and I guess it technically is a Christmas song. But anyway, our friend Zippy, Zippy Zippy Zippy, says, sync Christmas album. We heard one of the those songs on the radio on the way over here. It's pretty good. I don't remember it. But I don't like Justin Timberlake. Right yeah, now. he is bad. But uh, XOXO Joy Boy, our friend Nick, said, Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas, So High Energy. It is a classic. It was hard to beat. Nick, I'm so sorry. Why are you sorry? Because he likes it. Also, happy birthday. 
Um, Lumi Makes Music said, Grandma got run over by a reindeer. I don't usually hear that one. Actually, two people, Katie Learn also said, Grandma got run over by a reindeer. But those are some of the questions that we asked you on Instagram. Thanks for answering. And if you want to get involved, you can check out our Instagrams. We're going to be asking more questions. And also check out on our Discord. Yeah, that is the podcast. Wait, that's it? Well, we don't have... So thank you for listening. Thank you so much. It's so good to be back with you guys and talking and let us know, you know, how you feel about our podcast and like if enough of you enjoy this, you know, maybe we'll keep doing our podcast again. And I know I talked a lot this episode, but the next episodes are just going to be pure fun and games. I just thought the mm. history was very interesting. I thought it was great and I think that um I learned a lot and I think the next episode will be more yeah, we're going to be more discussing like some of our favorites and we're going to talk about a lot of things. We're doing four parts to this special holiday special tour podcast. Yeah, I just feel like I learned this in preparing for this, like how into history I kind of am. Like yeah. Cardi B I know is really into history and I thought that was like unrelatable, but then I was like reading this and you guys, I got so deep into Charles II. I was like enthralled by that. How often do you think about the Roman Empire. Literally never. They could, there was some, the Roman, Rome. They kind of came up in this podcast. I don't know. I don't quite know about the Roman Empire and I have no interest. I know. But Charles II is my Roman Empire. You know. Christmas yes. music is your Roman Empire. Christmas. But next episode, just to sneak peek, we are going to make a draft of our favorite Christmas songs trying to make the ultimate Christmas album. Let's see who wins. Mariel or Slow Magic. Yeah. So thank you for listening. We love you. Leave us a five-star review and we will give you a shout out. Okay. Yeah, we'll give you a shout out on air. Um, This is where we would do that. So once you do that, we're going to do that. We love you all. And yeah, shout out to you guys, our Play Pals. Should we change the name of our Play Pals to our Xers or something? Because Elon Musk was trying to name PayPal, turn it into X. I think we should call them our players. Players? Or players. The playa? Ooh. That's where Burning Man happens. We could do a Burning Man themed Christmas. Yeah. Whoever's in charge of Burning Man, put that idea in your notebook. Okay. You can say it came from a dream. <laughs> we're like just a bucket about... of chicken. <laughs> you guys, it's 12 Oh no, <laughs> guys, we're just out of tape. Sorry. Gotta go. <laughs> Bye. We recorded this all on our iPad. Yeah, we forgot our laptop. It works great, and I hope it sounds good. Love you, bye. Love you, bye.